0: If you've been here for decades or you came this summer and you brought your family to VBS or Connect Camp uh, and you're brand new, we're, we're glad you're here today and I'm excited. And before we close out Hosea today, this is the, it's the last hurrah for Hosea. Uh, you might be excited about that because it's been, you know, you're a big sinner the whole time. Uh, today is going to be a little different, uh, a little different, uh, but we're going to start First Samuel uh, next week on Kickoff Sunday. Uh, First Samuel has uh, lots of topics, lots of things that it covers. It talks about family life. Uh, We want to be about strengthening families here. And so the beginning of that talks a lot about family life and how we should be praying for and raising uh, kids and thinking about that. Kings and uh, issues with family and friends and leadership and all those things. So uh, be a part of that next week uh, as we launch on Kickoff Sunday. But we're going to be in Hosea 14 today, the very last chapter uh, of the book, and, and it ends on a, um, a high note, kind of, like it, it, it's God's love is on full display, but still, because it's Hosea, he has a little warning uh, for us. Uh, but the chapter is really about the beauty of God's love for his people, uh, that's the bulk of the chapter is about God's great love and, and the beauty of that love and the, and the poetic nature of that love that he has for his people, the nation of Israel, and I would say his people, the church uh, today. And, and when I think about sort of a love story, because that's what Hosea is, the book of Hosea is a, is a love story, uh, a metaphor for God's love for his people as played out through Hosea and his adulterous wife, Gomer. And, and, and God uh, loves his people relentlessly. He pursues them even when they run from him, and he will never stop doing that. And, and as I begin to think about sort of love stories as we look at this final chapter here, uh, I, I think Hollywood is pretty good at love stories. They, they do a pretty good job at love stories. And, and two of my favorite, that they're quite old, by modern standards, because anything more than two weeks is old, um, in modern standards. But, but two of my favorites are Fifty First Dates. Uh, some of you adults uh, know Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. What a combination uh, on screen! Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, Drew Barrymore has this weird amnesia where she forgets every day. Like she wakes up every day, she remembers, then she forgets everything. And, and, and then, and Adam Sandler falls in love with her and all that. But in these stories, the other one I'll tell you in a second, in these stories there's usually one last opportunity for the man or the woman to declare his or her love for the other. There's like this this moment in the movie where this is your final shot. This is it. It, It's do or die right here. And and so in 50 First Dates, Adam Sandler has that moment And it comes through, but then he he declares it every day to her, because remember, she forgets every day who she is. And at the end of the movie, it's a beautiful picture of love. I'm not going to ruin it for you. Well, let me say, I am going to ruin it for you, but you still need to watch the movie if you've never seen it, because all romantic comedies end the same way. So at the end of the movie, she's laying in bed, and she wakes up, and she's on the ocean in a sailboat, and she wakes up to a small TV, and next to the TV is a VHS. It's kind of like a DVD for (laughs) most of you, (laughs) except not as advanced. Uh, And she puts it in to the TV, and it plays a video of Adam Sandler declaring again his love for her and their story. Over and over. So every day, she's reminded of her husband's love for her. Every day. And that's what God does throughout all of Scripture, is remind us every time of his great love for us. My other favorite is how to lose a guy in 10 days. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, Kate Hudson, like two of the most beautiful people ever created and Matthew McConaughey a longhorn and a texan like it doesn't get any better than that thank you very much for the love and support but at the end of the movie they he realizes oh she's changed her mind and in the middle of the movie he she gave him this fern it's called the love fern young adults teenagers please don't ever do this don't, don't ever give someone a plant. Don't do it. But at the end of the movie, this dead fern is in his apartment, and he grabs it and chases after on his motorcycle, meets her on the bridge, pulls the taxi over, almost kills both of them. You know, that's how it goes. And with the love fern in hand, declares how much he loves him. And, of course, they live happily ever after, I assume, because the movie ends. But but how often we see in the movies on TV that this dramatic these dramatic stories of great expressions of love? It's not always real life for us because m- most of us aren't sailing around the world and uh, making videos for our loved ones. Uh, we're, we're not carrying around the fern to remind us of how much someone loves us or claimed they loved them. It's part of the movie plot. But today, I hope, is a reminder for us that God loves you, that you know that. And and despite your faults, despite your iniquity, which is what the Bible calls sin, despite your failure, God loves you. And he constantly declares his love for you. And he is declaring as Hosea wraps up sort of his prophetic word to the nation of Israel, he is declaring that God loves them. And so look with me, Hosea 14, page 759 in my Bible. That, again, helps you. If you get to Joel and Amos, you've gone too far. Get past Daniel, you'll be there. But in Hosea 14, God has his final word through Hosea the prophet that's written for the nation of Israel. And he opens the chapter like this. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity except what is good and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, and we will say no more, Our God, to the work of our hands. In you the orphan finds mercy. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoots shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. Their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But transgressors stumble in them. Plenty of satisfied customers in our preschool. (laughs) He opens this chapter by, by calling on the nation of Israel to return to him, uh, to to walk away from their iniquity. And, And God is doing the same for us all the time. He's calling us to himself. You might feel like you're far from God today. God's calling you. You might feel like you're in the best spot you've ever been in your relationship with God. He's calling you to himself. That's what he does. He's always calling us to himself because he is our Lord He is our creator, our sustainer. He is the one who has authority over all of us. And he's calling the nation back to himself. And that return for the nation of Israel, that return for us at times, is to recognize how we've stumbled and fallen. I don't know if you've ever tripped and fallen on your face like you couldn't catch yourself. That, that's a painful, long-lasting effect. Because if you hit your face, guess what? Everyone's going to know you fell. Right? They they know it. You're going to have a bruise, a scrape. You might break your nose. It, it it's not going to be good. And, and so imagine that. That's what God is saying to the nation of Israel. You've you've fallen on your face. Because of your sin, because of your failure to live up to my standard, your your failure to follow after me, to live as God's chosen people. And so come back. Come back. Their failure wasn't just simply trusting in foreign leaders. It wasn't just about worshiping false gods. It was also about how they dealt with one another, that they were mean to each other. It's obvious that probably they weren't helping the orphan or the widow. They were ugly to each other, bringing each other to court. There was a lack of love. The words from their lips were not honoring to the Lord. And so he's calling them back. The same is true for us. That oftentimes we dismiss those things that we think, oh, are no big deal. Or it doesn't matter. What we say and do, as long as it didn't affect a bunch of people, not a problem. God forgives me anyway. That's kind of how we approach it. We cheapen the love of God. And he's calling the nation of Israel, his chosen people, calling them back and saying, no, let your words cause you to turn. That's what repentance is. It calls you to return. Because it's only when we become aware of our sin that restoration can begin. It's only when we have an awareness of our sin that we can actually start the process of coming back to God. If not, you're just going to keep on walking in your own way. And you'll forget God, just like the nation of Israel did. The chosen people of God, who he walked with, who he led throughout all of history. They continually over and over and over again walked away just like we who are people who claim the name of Jesus, to claim to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, His only Son. We time and time and time again walk away. And He's calling us to have our words lead us back to repentance. Because it's easy to repent for someone else's sins. It's easy to say, Oh Lord, like, you know how terrible they are. Go easy on them. Look, Lord, uh, you know, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend, my brother, that person at church, like, Lord, get to work on them. Help them be aware of their sin. That's what we do, and we're great at it. That's not what God is asking us to do or the nation of Israel. He's also not asking to say, uh, Lord, you know them all. I just confess them all right now. No, that's not it either. It's not this sort of blanket, God, I know I'm a mess up. I trust in you. No. It's not looking at the speck in someone else's eye and ignoring the plank in your eye. I just got some 2 by 4 by 10s 10 feet long. I almost brought one, but they're not super easy to carry by yourself. It's manageable, but I couldn't have lifted it up here to show like the magnitude of what we we miss out on. And that's what God is, is pointing the nation of Israel to like, guys, pay attention, come back. Because God wants us to be specific in our repentance. He wants us to declare to Him that we know we've stumbled and fallen on our face because He's the one that then will lift us up to be specific in our confession. And when you and I are specific in our confession, we know, based on the work of Jesus Christ, we know that according to the New Testament, that when we we confess, when we say, Lord, I know these are the things that have dishonored you, That have dishonored others. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to confess that to you because I know my sin. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've put your faith in Him. That sin has been paid for. It's cleared. It's covered. But but I don't want my relationship with God damaged. That's what the Israelites were doing. They're walking away from their Father. I'm going to come back to you, Lord. I'm going to confess these things. What does it say? He's faithful and just. To forgive not just those things you remember, not just those things that you tell him specifically, but he's faithful to forgive all of it. So it's not the reverse. Lord, I'm just going to kind of blanket statement it and you'll cover the details. No, Lord, I'm going to give you the details and you cover what I forget. I'm going to trust you in that. God calls us to be specific in our repentance so that the words of our lips will return to him. And for the nation of Israel, they had had put their trust in foreign gods, the Assyrian uh, foreign kings, the Assyrian king, foreign gods also. They they had worshipped idols. They had made these alliances. This isn't Survivor, but they had made alliances with these other nations. They had taken great pride in the work of their hands. Look at how great we are. And they called the work of their hands their own God. Like, look how smart and cool and great we are. How awesome we are as a people. That's what they did. They elevated themselves in pride. They neglected the orphan. They were mean to each other. And so God is calling them to repentance. When you and I call on God... When we repent of our sin, we turn from those ways. We get to experience his graciousness, his kindness, his compassion. We get to experience his forgiveness and his great love. We get to experience that he is long-suffering, that even though over and over and over again, We do some of the same things that we know, like, why do I do that again? Why did I say that for the 15th time? I know better. That he's long-suffering. He's patient with us. That's what we get to experience when we confess our sin and we return, when we repent. That's the beauty of repentance, that we get to experience all those things from God. The love of God is on display for us. And just as a side note here, you, you noticed what God didn't tell the nation of Israel to do? He didn't say, come repent and then remind me about all the good stuff you also do. It, that, that's not what repentance is about. Repentance is not, Lord, I know I've messed up. I know I've, I've fallen short in these areas. But hey, God, uh, look what I did here. I showed up to church on time. Like, I, I, I was nice to the person who cut me off on the freeway. I even was so awesome, I paid for somebody's coffee. Man, God, I'm pretty good. I know I've, you know. No, that's not what repentance is about. That's not an attitude of humility. No, when we're returning to the Lord, let's, let's declare to God how good he is. How good he is. N- not how good we are. Know how good he is. Remind him. He doesn't need reminding, but you can remind him of how good he is. Remind him of his great love. Because the beauty of this passage is actually verses 4 through 8. It's a wonderful love song. So if you're wanting to write a love song, I'm not sure this is great material for you with a person of the opposite sex, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I want to read it again for you, because when you and I return to the Lord, when we repent, when we turn back, God is going to overwhelm you with his love. And that's what he does here. Look what he says. I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. Isn't it great to be loved without condition? We as humans are not great at that. But our God is perfect at it. I can find my spot again. For my anger has turned from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall blossom like the lily. He shall take root like the trees of Lebanon. His shoot shall spread out. His beauty shall be like the olive and his fragrance like Lebanon. They shall return and dwell beneath my shadow. They shall flourish like the grain. They shall blossom like the vine. The fame, their fame shall be like the wine of Lebanon. O Ephraim, what have I to do with idols? It is I who answer and look after you. Most people don't think that's how God lives. They think God is after them. That he's after them, not looking after them. Our God is a caring and compassionate God. I look after you. I am like an evergreen From me comes your fruit. When you and I return, when we come back to the Lord, his grace brings healing to us. His grace brings healing. So there's an area of your life that is broken right now, that's suffering, that's hurting. Maybe by your own doing, or by someone else's, I, I want to invite you to go to the Lord. Come to Him, because He is the one who brings healing and restoration. He will heal their apostasy. You know what? Apostasy is really about unfaithfulness. They, they, they've turned from honor and glory, and they've turned to themselves. They've turned As an unfaithful people. He's going to heal their unfaithfulness. They'll be restored to him. His anger will be turned to compassion. And he will love freely. God loves without condition. And he demonstrates that love for us, not just as we read in the Old Testament over and over and over again with the nation of Israel, but that unconditional love that God has, that free love that God has for us, is most evident in his Son, Jesus Christ. That he loved the world. He loved you so much that he freely gave his one and only Son, That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That The greatest act of love in all of history, in all of creation, was that God gave Jesus Christ, his one and only perfect son, to live a perfect life and to die on the cross to pay the penalty, a penalty which you and I deserve to pay, but he paid the penalty for us so that we could have access to the Father, so we could experience the free, wonderful love of, the Heavenly Father, of our Heavenly Father. That's the greatness of God's love. That's the freedom of God's love, that he would send Jesus Christ. And God calls us, he invites us to place our faith in Jesus Christ that we may experience that great, great love. That's the blessing that comes from God's love. His love is a blessing. It, 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 I want to encourage you with that today, that God's love is a blessing to us, and that blessing is seen most through Jesus Christ. And if you haven't put your faith and your trust in him to forgive you of your sins, uh, at the end of our service, I'm going to invite you to do that today, to make a decision to say, I want to receive God's great love and turn from my sin and my stumbling and falling on my face. I want to turn from that because God's love is a blessing. He tells the nation of Israel kind of what that blessing looks like. What does it look like for them? And he uses this great poetic language like do On Israel, I don't know if this morning before the rain started, if you're a dog person, if you have dogs, if you have a cat, it probably doesn't apply to you. Uh, But if you have a dog and you had to take that dog outside to do his or her business, when you stepped on that grass, you may have been like, oh, my feet are wet. But that dew is wonderful. It's amazing because it brings nourishment to the grass it, it, it helps that grass grow, your St. Augustine grow. There's something special, especially on a cool morning when it's not, you know, 89 degrees at 8 a.m. That, like, you, you may not like it on your feet, but it, there's something cool about that. That's what God, like, there's something refreshing about God's love, it refreshes us it causes us to grow it's very simple almost imperceptible sometimes because that's what dew is like almost imperceptible sometimes but when you step on it you feel that moisture and you know it's there that's what god's love is like refreshing and so the next time you take the dog out in the morning think about god's love he says My love is going to cause you to blossom like a lily. We love lilies. Every Easter just about, we have lilies all over the place up here. They're beautiful, and they smell great, and you want them to last forever, that little lily, because their fragrance is so great, because they look so wonderful. It is a beautiful flower, and God speaks to the beauty of the nation of Israel when they're connected to their heavenly Father, how beautiful they are. When you're close to Jesus, you look better. That's true. When you're mired in sin and muck in the world, it's going to wear on you physically. But when you're close to Jesus, you have life and you smell good. You need a shower and deodorant too. But there's something about people who are close to Jesus and their beauty. God, as he shares all this in verses four through eight, he's telling the people that he's gonna reverse their situation. They've been living in a a time of barrenness, really where it's a a dark, barren time. And he's gonna reverse their fortune. And they're gonna prosper. They're gonna be a blessing. They're gonna flourish again. They're gonna develop deep roots They're going to show strength and stability. They'll be pleasant to be around. The greatest compliment you could ever receive is, you know, it's a joy to hang out with you. Like That should be, if you follow Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower, if you've put your faith in Jesus, people should say, it's great to hang out with you. Because that's what God wanted the nation of Israel to be. To be a people that others would be attracted to, drawn to. They're fragrant. They don't just smell good. They don't just look good. No, they're they're wonderful to be around. In the New Testament, it says that about our offering. our, Our worship should be a fragrant offering to our Heavenly Father. But in this case, that we should have strength and stability. That people can come to us. Because we are stable and strong. They can come to us because we have wisdom. They come to us because we're nice and gracious. We're strong despite the winds of the world. Despite all the things that are happening, we have strength and stability. People should be drawn to us. And so if people aren't drawn to you, if people avoid you, Because of the things that you say and do. Maybe today is the day to look in and say, Lord, how can I be a fragrant person? He says they'll be like famous, like the wine of Lebanon. I've never had that. But I'm guessing it's good. And that he... God will be like, a frig, but like an evergreen cypress with these long, thick branches covering his people and welcoming all others. That you, as you're under the shade, as you're under the protection, as you're under the provision of God, others will be welcomed into that same place to experience the cool of the shade. To experience the, the rest of being protected by God's favor. Because it's a blessing to stand in the shade, isn't it? Particularly here. It's a blessing to stand in the shade. And that's what God is calling his people to be. That's what he calls us to be as the people of God, that we would be a blessing to others and that we would draw others into the shade and the provision. But the challenge is because he he declares that he's going to look after them, as I shared a few minutes ago, that he's going to care for them. He's going to be the one to provide protection and grace for them, like that evergreen cypress. The, The problem is, Not everyone is going to hear this message. Not everyone in the nation of Israel is going to get it. Actually, most of them won't get it. They won't hear it. They'll ignore it. Because judgment is still going to come to the nation of Israel. And so that's why God wraps up this whole book with this great love song to his people. And then he ends with a challenge. Whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the upright walk in them. But the transgressors stumble in them. And so as we wrap up this hard-hitting, it's probably the best way to describe it, book. As we think about the reality of our sin and our fallenness and we look at the great love of God that never stops pursuing us, even in our sin, the question is, are we listening? Are we listening to his call to return? Are we listening to his call to not go our own way? Are we listening to his voice when it says, let my love Come to you freely. Are you listening? Let's pray together.